to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Lord, we thank you for providing all that we have. We know every good thing comes from you. So we bring our tithes and offering to exalt your name, to recognize that you are our source. When everything else fails, when everything else is gone, you'll come through for us. David said, I was young and now I'm old. I've seen a lot of things, but one thing that I've never seen is the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. When the rest of the world is hoarding it up, we're going to give it because we know that you're watching out for us as our Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I need to do one more thing before I get into the message that the Lord has given me. I need you to go ahead and click the share button and share this live stream because I believe that God has given me a word that is not just for our congregation, that is not just for our community, but is for everyone who will listen. So please help me to get this word out by sharing this live stream. Go ahead. I'm going to give you a minute. You ain't going to miss anything. Just click share so that we can get this word out together. And I appreciate that so much. It's one of the easiest ways that you can sow the gospel is just to push the share button right now. Would you do that for us? And while you're doing that, if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, you can turn with us to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Give me just a minute. Are you sharing this or did you just ignore what I said? I'm looking. People, I can see when you share it. So I need you to share this video. Come on now. Mark chapter 9. We're going to start reading at verse 17. Are you ready? Somebody put ready in the comments. I need someone to build up your anticipation because I'm about to bust. I need someone to feel the excitement and the expectation that I'm feeling right now in this moment. It has been so hard not to preach this message. If you're ready, comment ready on this video. Verse 17 says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, or a mute spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. And they, they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. 
And he asked his father, how long? How long? How long? How long have you been in that situation? How long have you felt that pain? How long have you been waiting for a resolution? How long is it since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Somebody come in, I believe. I believe, but, I believe, but, help thou my unbelief. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you help me to minister this message. I believe that it is one of the most important messages that you have given me in my 13 years of ministry. I believe that this is a pivotal moment and I just want your purpose to be accomplished. I just want your plan to be fulfilled. So ready our hearts and our minds to receive the word that you are about to speak into our lives. Lord, fill us up and do miracles in our life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 We get to start a brand new sermon series today. And it's entitled, If You Can. Look at your neighbor sitting next to you on the sofa, whether it's your spouse or your children, and say, If You Can. Have you ever been at a standstill in a specific situation or circumstance of your life. By standstill, I mean where you are is where you've been. It's where you've been for the last three months, six months, three years, ten years, whatever it may be. Have you ever been at a standstill and wondered, where is God? Why hasn't God moved? Why hasn't God intervened? Why hasn't God done something about my situation? Have you ever been at a standstill and wondered, where is God? I was at a four-way stop the other day, and there was a car directly across from me that was stopped at the same time I was. I thought that it was his turn to go. And he obviously thought that it was my turn to go. I thought what I did was dependent on what he did next. And he thought what he did was dependent on what I did next. It's not that I controlled what he did. and It's not that he controlled what I did. It's that we were both waiting for the other person to move. And because of this, nothing happened. Nobody moved. And as I sit there for what felt like eternity, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, could it be that you're at a standstill because you think what happens next is dependent on God when it's dependent on you? Just this week, on my way to the church, the car in front of me stopped unexpectedly. I say that it stopped unexpectedly because it stopped at a green light. I don't know what was going on in that car, but somehow they missed the signal and stopped when they should have kept going. I had to give them a holy honk 
to let them know that it wasn't time to stop. It was time to keep going. And I believe that God has sent me here today to give you a holy hawk and let you know it's not time to stop. It's time to keep going. Could it be that somehow you have missed the signal and you're at a standstill when God has given you the green light to move forward? I want you to think about that as I preach this message. Because the man in our text was at a standstill. We know this because Jesus asked him the question, how long? How long has your son been in this condition? And he said, since he was little. So nothing has changed in this man's situation. Nothing has progressed, nothing has improved since his son was little. He was at a, a standstill. I find it interesting that Jesus asked him the question, how long? Because anytime that Jesus asks a question, it's always for the benefit of his audience. Jesus already knows every answer to every question. So the only reason that he would have to ask a question is to divert our focus onto something. Adam, where art thou? It's not that God didn't know where Adam was. It's that he wanted us to see the steps that Adam took to get where he was so that we would learn from his mistakes and not take a similar path. The only reason that Jesus has to ask a question is to divert our focus onto something. I believe the reason Jesus asked the question, how long, is because he wanted us to comprehend that this man has been at a standstill for years because of a misunderstanding about what was supposed to happen next. I want to show you what this man said to Jesus. But before I do, I want you to comprehend where he's coming from. Because it's hard to understand what someone is saying unless you can comprehend where they're coming from. This man in our text has been told that his situation is hopeless. During the time of our text, the religious leaders believed that a mute spirit was impossible to cast out. They thought that you had to learn a demon's name before you could cast it out. So if a demon made someone mute, you could never learn its name. Therefore, you could never cast it out. So what this man has been told by those that he has confidence in has made it more difficult for him to believe. I wonder what it is that you've been told that makes it more difficult for you to believe. Think for a minute about something that the doctor, the lawyer, the judge, the realtor has told you that made it more difficult for you to believe. I wonder what diagnosis, what odds, what statistics, what opinion you were given that makes it more difficult for you to believe. I wonder what a family member told you, what a friend told you, what you told yourself that makes it more difficult for you to believe. This man has been told that his situation is hopeless, but somehow he pushes through that and he asks the disciples for help. Do you know how hard it is to ask for help when you feel like your situation is hopeless? You know how hard that is? When you feel like there's no real way anything is going to change? But somehow this man pushed through his terminal hopelessness and asked the disciples for help. But they couldn't do what he asked them to do. So as this man steps into his conversation with Jesus, not only is he carrying the weight of terminal hopelessness, 
but he's also dealing with the wounds of recent disappointment. And so he looks at Jesus and says, but if you can do anything, if you can, I don't know what's possible and what's not possible anymore. I don't know what's in the cards for me and what's not anymore. If you can, have compassion on us and help us. Now that prayer, it sounds familiar. Does it sound familiar to you? It sounds familiar to me. Maybe it's because there's a lot of people praying some variation of that prayer right now all over this country. There are people saying something like, Lord, you see what's happening. You see what's going on. You see everything is shut down. You see that we are quarantined. You see that the church doors are closed. You see that people are sick. You see that people are dying. If you can do anything, if you can change anything, if you can improve anything, have compassion on us. See the seriousness of this situation and move. Help us. Maybe that's why that prayer sounds familiar. But you know what? Another reason that that prayer may sound familiar is because it resembles something that the enemy said to Jesus in the wilderness. You know what that is? Go ahead, comment on the, the video if you know what that is. The enemy once looked at Jesus and said, if you're the son of God. This man in our text said, if you can do anything. If you're the son of God. If you can do anything. It's probably not a good sign when our prayer sounds like the enemy's plot. So this man says to Jesus, if you can do anything, and Jesus looks back at him and says, all things are possible to him who believes. Come on, I know. I'm going to preach in a minute. I'm just laying the groundwork for what's about to happen. This man said to Jesus, if you can do anything. He said, anything. And Jesus said, all things. Do you realize that this man asked the God who can do all things for just anything? Just anything. I point that out because if we ask for just anything, we have no right to complain if we don't end up with what we wanted. I was, uh, I was getting ready to leave the church one evening and I was going to get me something to eat on the way home. So like a good husband, I called my wife, my beautiful, wonderful, gorgeous, smart, intelligent wife, my indecisive, can't make a decision to save her life, wife. I said, I'm going to get me something to eat. Do you want something? She said, yes, I want something. I said, what do you want? It doesn't matter. What do you want? Just whatever. What do you want? Anything will be fine. Tell me what you want. Just anything. I say to her, I can't deal with that kind of pressure in my life right now, but I'll try not to disappoint you. Click. So I look over the menu for about 45 minutes, trying to think about her characteristics and personality and appetite to select the right thing for her. I choose something for her, bring it home. She opens the bag, and guess what? She's not happy with what I chose for her. But do I feel bad? Absolutely not. Because if you ask for just anything, you have no right to complain if you don't end up with what you wanted. I want you to see this in a spiritual sense because it's hard to get a detailed miracle from a vague prayer. Our faith is stretched through specific prayers, not vague ones. Habakkuk 
2.2 says write the vision down and make it plain. Our faith is stretched through specific prayers. Let me prove it to you. One time in the Gospels, a, a blind man, he was a blind man. Everybody get that? He was a blind man. Everybody on the video get that? He was a blind man. He stumbled his way up to Jesus. And Jesus, in all his wisdom, intelligence, and revelation, looked at this man and said, what do you want me to do? It's pretty obvious, Jesus. The man is blind. But it's not that Jesus wasn't aware of his need. It's that Jesus wanted him to be specific in his request because our faith is stretched through specific prayers. Pastor, I don't believe all that. God already knows what I have need of before I ask. That's absolutely correct. He already knows. But we're not trying to educate God. We're trying to extend your faith and it's hard to hit a target that you won't identify. So you got to stretch your faith through specific prayers. So there were some issues with this man's prayer. But the issues with his prayer was just a reflection of his perception. The reason he asked Jesus for just anything is because he wasn't seeing him as the God who can do all things. How we perceive determines how we receive. Can my perception limit a limitless God? Let's look. Just three chapters before our text, Jesus decides to visit his hometown. And you know if there's a group of people that you want to show off for, if there's a group of people that you want to impress, if there's a group of people you want to make proud, it's those of your hometown. If there's anybody from Harlan County watching this, go ahead and let me know. I want to make you proud. So as Jesus steps into Nazareth, we can be certain that he fully intended to flex his muscles in all of their glory. But look at what happened. Jesus started teaching in one of their local synagogues. And about halfway through his sermon, there was some rumblings. One person said, where does he get all this wisdom from? Another person said, where does he get all this power from? Another person said, who does he think he is? Another person said, where does he get his credentials from? Another person said, that's just the carpenter. That's just Jay's boy. That's Mary's son. His brothers are right here with us. His sisters live right down the street. He's trying to be somebody he's not, but we know who he really is. They refused to believe in who Jesus is. And look at Mark chapter 6, verse 5. I hope you're enjoying this. It says, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles. It was their unbelief, their unbelief in who Jesus is. And it was his abilities. It was their unbelief and his power, their unbelief and his miracles. But he couldn't do any miracles because of how they perceived him. Our perception can limit a limitless God. If we don't perceive the Lord correctly, it'll negatively influence how we receive from Him. For example, if you condemn yourself, if you perceive the Lord as angry, if you perceive the Lord as vengeful towards you, if you perceive the Lord as out to get you, it'll negatively impact how you receive from Him. If you perceive the Lord as uninterested and unconcerned about the desires of your heart, it'll negatively impact how you perceive from Him. How you receive, excuse me, from Him. But here's the thing. All of our misconceived perceptions about the Lord come from us not knowing His person. I love that because it means you can't manipulate the system. You can't come to Jesus just for his stuff. 
because those that receive from Him on a great level are those that perceive Him correctly. And those that perceive Him correctly are those that know His person. That's why the book of Hebrews says, God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So if you're going to receive on a great level, you've got to know who Jesus is. The main problem that the man in our text had is that he didn't know who he was talking to. Have you ever done that? Didn't really know who you was talking to. This man walks up to Jesus, the creator, the all-powerful one, the king of kings, the lord of lords, and he says, if you can do anything, if you can do anything. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him. Who believes? Has God ever echoed your prayers? Sometimes I'll hit my knees and I'll pray and I'll say something like, God bless them. And then I'll hear a still, small voice reply, why don't you bless them? Has God ever done that? This is exactly what's happening in verses 22 and 23. This man looks at Jesus and says, if you can. And Jesus looks right back at him and says, if you can. Jesus says, if you can. This man was at a standstill because he thought what happened next was dependent on Jesus when it was dependent on him. Jesus wanted to do a miracle in this man's life, but the miracle he wanted to do wasn't dependent on what he was willing to release. It was dependent on what this man was prepared to receive. Jesus is limitless. Somebody put that in the comments. Jesus is limitless. And when you're dealing with a limitless source, the only limitation is your capacity to contain it. Let me show you an illustration. My helpers did not get my table. Johnny, come get my table. Mar Marshall, will you help them? It's all right. I want you to see this. I hope you're enjoying this. If you're enjoying it, comment on the video. Let us know that you're enjoying it. Keep going because keep, keep staying here with me. Stay in tune because I got a prophetic word for you. Come on. Right there is good enough. Give me my bucket. I want you to, to think about a faucet. The kind of faucet you have in your kitchen or your bathroom, that faucet represents a limitless source. Meaning the faucet will fill whatever container that I present to it, whether it's a coffee cup or a five gallon bucket. So the amount of water that I receive isn't determined by the faucet. It's determined by the capacity of the container that I use. So if I'm not happy with the amount of water that I walk away with, it's not the faucet's fault. It's my capacity to receive. Jesus is limitless. So what determines what he does in our life is our capacity to receive. Our capacity to receive is our level of belief. Your level of belief is essentially the container that you bring God to fill. He will fill whatever container that you bring Him. So if you want more, anybody want more? I'm about to preach in just a moment. Anybody want more? If you want more, comment on the video. Do you want more? If you want more, it's not God that has to increase. It's your capacity to receive that has to increase. We can't receive on a five-gallon bucket level with a coffee cup's worth of belief. If we want to receive more, our capacity to receive has to increase. That's what Jesus was saying to the man in our text, and he finally got it. In verse 24, he finally got it. Mark chapter 9, verse 24 says this, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He finally understood. Notice how his prayer changed. It went from, Lord, if you can, 
said, Lord, help me believe that you can. He finally realized that what happened next wasn't dependent on God. It was dependent on him. So the Lord sent me here today with a prophetic word for you. I believe that some of you are at a standstill. You haven't seen any growth, any change, any progress, any movement, any improvement. You're looking at the same things, dealing with the same things, responding to the same things, stuck in the same spot. You're at a standstill in your marriage. You're at a standstill in your career. You're at a standstill in your finances. You're at a standstill in your ministry. I don't claim to know what area it is, but I believe that some of you are at a standstill because you think what happens next is dependent on God when it's dependent on you. You have missed the signal and somehow you are stopped when you should have kept going. God is giving you the green light. He's saying it's not if I can, it's if you can. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes, not in his ability, not in his preparedness, not in his willingness. He never changes. The only person that can change is you. So our prayer shouldn't be, Lord, can you? It should be, Lord, help me to believe that you can. It's not can the Lord repair your marriage. It's do you believe that he can. It's not can the Lord watch over your children. It's do you believe that he can. It's not can the Lord bless you financially. It's do you believe that he can. It's not can the Lord heal you. It's do you believe that he can. Somebody help me. It's not can the Lord turn your situation around. It's do you believe that he can. It's not can the Lord come through for you. It's do you believe that he can. It's not can the Lord in this pandemic. It's do we believe that he can. Redemption Church, do we believe that he can. Somebody comment in the videos and put, I believe. I believe that he can move mountains. I believe that he can make a way where there seemed to be no way. I believe he can turn this around. I believe that he can give me victory. I believe that he can bless me. I believe. Somebody put, I believe. I, I feel like the donkey off of Shrek. I believe. I believe some of you are at a standstill the enemy's wreaking havoc in your life you've had a need for a long time you've had a prayer that has not been answered you've had a petition that has not been granted you've wondered where God is and what he's doing if that sounds like you God told me to tell you he wants to do a miracle in this moment. In spite of everything that you've experienced, in spite of everything that you've been through, in spite of the disappointment, in spite of the setback, in spite of the failure, in spite of how much time has passed, in spite of what's going on in our world, in spite of what's happening with the economy, in spite of what people have told you, in spite of the odds, in spite of the statistics, God told me to tell you, he wants to do a miracle in this moment. But the miracle he wants to do isn't dependent on what he's willing to release. It's dependent on what you're prepared to receive. I'm going to say it again because that's the most important line of this entire series. God wants to move. God wants to perform a miracle, but the miracle he wants to do isn't dependent on what he's willing to release. It's dependent on what we're prepared to receive. So you got to get ready. Look at your spouse, your children. Tell them, get ready. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. This is a, a time-sensitive matter. Get ready, get ready, 
Get ready. God's about to open up the windows of heaven. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. We are on the brink of the greatest outpouring that our generation has ever experienced. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. If you're not prepared, you're going to miss this entirely. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. My assignment today is to get you ready for what God is about to release. Anybody want to get ready? If you want to receive on a level that you never have before, this is what you need to do. Number one, position. Bring your life into alignment with God. John chapter 15 verse 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Jesus looks at the disciples and he tells them, If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Emphasis on the word remain. Somebody put that in the comments. The word remain. It's not run. It's remain. It's not retreat. It's remain. It's not relapse. It's remain. It's not regress. It's remain. It's not repeat. It's remain. To remain means you got to be steadfast. It means you got to be committed. It means you got to be faithful. It means you got to be unmovable. It means you got to be unshakable. You can't just step in when you get excited and say that you have remained. You can't just step in when it feels good and say that you've remained. You can't just step in when it's convenient and say that you've remained. You can't just step in when you have a need and say that you have remained. No. If you're going to remain, it means you're going to be here in the good times and in the bad, in the ups and in the downs, in the highs and in the lows, in the sun and in the storm, in the day and in the night, in the triumph and in the struggle. If you're going to remain, it means you're not going anywhere regardless of the situation or circumstance of your life. One of our biggest trials is just to remain. We do good at running into his presence. We don't do good at remaining in his presence. We do good at receiving his word, but we don't do good at remaining in his word. We do good at having a relationship with him at a one point or period of time, but we don't do good at remaining. Church, we got to remain. If you're going to receive what he's about to release, you got to remain. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's alignment. That's alignment. He said, if you remain in alignment with me, this is your favor. This is your benefit. This is your blessing. If you remain in alignment with me, you may ask for anything you want. Not just anything you need. Anything you want and it will be Granted, you know, when we're at a standstill and the enemy's wreaking havoc in our lives and we have a need that's not been met, we have a tendency to quickly ask the question, where is God? When, when we get laid off, where is God? When our children are in trouble, where is God? When our ministry isn't growing, where is God? When things aren't going according to plan, where is God? We have a very quick tendency to ask where is God but maybe the question we need to be asking is where are we because Jesus has already told us if we remain in alignment with him we may ask for anything we want and it will be granted maybe the reason that we're not receiving anything is because we're out of alignment with God. Maybe it's not that God isn't pouring out. Maybe it's not that God isn't working. Maybe it's not that God isn't blessing. Maybe it's not that God is MIA. Maybe it's not that God is inactive. Maybe the real reason why we're not receiving what's happening in this season is because we haven't brought ourselves into alignment with God. Stop expecting 
the Lord to work in an area that you want to align with his word. If you want to adhere to his word, you'll never witness his work because he accomplishes his work through his word. I need somebody on the comment section to help me preach this. Give me some support because I feel the Holy Spirit right now. If you don't adhere to his word, you won't see his work because he accomplishes his work through his word. Let me prove it to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. God accomplished His work in the world through His Word. Let me give you another example. Jesus showed up four days after Lazarus had died. He told them to roll back the stone. Then he stood at the entrance of Lazarus' tomb and shouted into the darkness of Lazarus' situation and said, Lazarus, come forth. How did he accomplish his work in Lazarus' life? He accomplished his work in Lazarus' life through his word. So if you refuse to adhere to his word, you won't see his work. So stop expecting God to work in an area that you won't align with his word. I'm going to get real personal right now. You want God to bless your career, but every time you go to work, you become someone that God doesn't want you to be. I'm just going to rip it off like a band-aid. You want God to bless you financially, but you refuse to pay your tithes. You want God to give you your dream, but you make your dream all about you. You want God to repair your marriage, but you refuse to address your lust problem. How's God supposed to be limitless in an area that we have declared as off-limits? You tell me how he's supposed to be a limitless God in an area that you've said is off limits. Bring your life into alignment with God. Your words, your behavior, your actions, your career, your finances, your hope, your dreams, your goals. Bring your life into alignment with God because if you're not positioned correctly, you're going to miss out on what he's about to pour out. If you're not positioned correctly, you're going to miss the miracle he wants to do in this moment. If you're not positioned correctly, you won't see the glory that he's about to demonstrate. Like Moses, back in the book of Exodus, Moses said, God, show me your glory. What God say? God said, I'll show you my glory. But only when you're positioned correctly. Only when you're positioned correctly. The same is true for us. If we want to witness what God is about to do, we have to be positioned correctly. If we want to see His glory, we got to be positioned correctly. Somebody comment and put, position yourself. I'm going to be a little long-winded today because I'm trying to deliver everything that God has given me to deliver in this moment. So the first thing you got to do is position yourself. The second word that I want you to let settle down in your spirit is the word perception. How we perceive is how we receive. How we perceive the Lord is how we receive from Him. If you want to receive what He's about to release, you got to perceive two things about Him. Number one, your God is a loving God. What shall ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Absolutely nothing. He loves you in the agape sense. He loves you unconditionally. He, his love for you never decreases, never diminishes, never reduces. He loves you as much right now as he ever has or ever will. Your God is a loving God. And he wants to give you all good things. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to excel. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to rise up. He wants you to be blessed. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that God is for you. You got to realize that he's for you or you won't receive from him. You got to realize that he's got your back, that he's on your side, that he's your confidant, that he's your ally, that he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. 
He'll never abandon you. He'll never give up on you. Even when you fall short, even when you miss the mark, even when you stumble, your God is a loving God. Don't let self-condemnation keep you from receiving what the Lord is about to release. Don't let the memory of the past keep you from receiving what God is about to release. Don't let self-criticism keep you from receiving what God is about to release because your God, he's a loving God. The second thing you got to perceive is your God is a limitless God. What's that mean, pastor? It means that there's no border with him. There's no boundary with him. There's no end with him. There's no conclusion with him. There's no lack with him. There's no less with him. There's no decrease with him. There's always a surplus. There's always an excess. There's always more. They had a little nickname for God back in the Old Testament. They called him Jehovah Jireh. Anybody know what Jehovah Jireh means? Somebody impress me with your theological knowledge. What's Jehovah Jireh mean? Jehovah Jireh means the God of more than enough. Nothing is too big for the God of more than enough. Nothing is too expensive for the God of more than enough. Nothing is too far off for the God of more than enough. Nothing is too unlikely, too improbable for the God of more than enough. If you're going to receive what he's about to release, you got to know that he is a loving, he's a limitless God. He's a loving, he's a limitless God. So position, perception, third word, plain. The Bible said write it down and make it plain. Write it down so discouragement can't change it. Write it down so disappointment can't change it. Write it down so time past can't change it. Write it down so that the enemy can't change it. Write the vision down and make it what? Make it what? Somebody shout it out. Make it what? You guys got to help me in here. There's only seven of you. Plain. Not subjective. Plain. Not vague. Plain. Not open to interpretation. Plain. Be specific. The man in Mark chapter 9 said, Lord, if you can do anything, but anything, isn't good enough. Why would you ask the God who can do all things for just anything? You've got to stretch your faith by being as specific as possible. God, I want you to bless me with a house. What kind of house do you want? Craftsman, colonial, cabin? How many, you want wheels, no wheels? How many bedrooms? Two, three, four. What kind of tile do you want in the bathroom? What kind of porch do you want? How big of a yard do you want? Tell God exactly what you want. God, bless me with a job. Do you mean a job or a career? Do you want to work from home? Do you want to interact with people? Do you want to be in sales? Do you want to be a part of a nonprofit organization? Do you want your career and your ministry to coincide? Tell God exactly what you want. God, I want a successful ministry. Define success. Is success a lot of people, a lot of money, a lot of influence, a lot of visibility, or is it a lot of chains broken? A lot of yokes destroyed. A lot of strongholds tore down. A lot of people set free. A lot of people delivered. A lot of people saved. Define what success is when you tell him you want a successful ministry. Tell God exactly what you want. I had to do this. One of my life goals is to write a book that would be the culmination of everything that I've learned on my journey. And so I said, God, help me write a book. And he said, I ain't good enough. Anybody can write a book. So I started challenging myself. Help me write a book that makes an impact. What kind of impact? Help me write a book that's on the New York Times bestseller. Go further. 
help me write a book that people are reading 200 years after I'm in the grave and it's still inspiring people to give their heart and their mind to you. I'm not saying that because I'm confident in my abilities. I'm saying that because I'm confident in my God and all things are possible to him who believes. You got to be specific. So what I want you to do right now, we're almost done. I hope you're still here. I hope you're still here for this. What I want you to do right now, I want everybody in here in the congregation to prepare to do this as well. I want you to prepare to write three things that you want your limitless Lord to do. I asked you to do this before the sermon, but I want you to do it again because I'm going to give you some guidelines that may make your second list a little different than your first. So I want you to prepare to write down three things you want your limitless Lord to do. Everybody watching right now, prepare to write down three things you want your limitless Lord to do in this season that we're in. Here's some guidelines. Number one, don't ask for anything that you can't use to glorify God. Don't write down the name of somebody else's husband. Don't write down the name of somebody else's wife. Don't write down the name of somebody else's church. Don't write down the name of somebody else's business. Don't write down anything that you can't use to bring honor to the name of the Lord. If it's a car, you better pick somebody up for church. If it's a house, you better have a spare room for somebody in need. Don't write down anything that you can't use to glorify God. Number two, don't write down anything that mutual, that exclusively benefits you. Don't write down anything that exclusively benefits you. If you get what you're asking God for, somebody in the seven billion people that are on this planet should be better off besides you. Somebody else should be touched. Somebody else should be encouraged. Somebody else should be inspired. Somebody else should be blessed. When God gives you something, he means for it to permeate through you and touch somebody else's life. So don't ask for anything that is exclusively beneficial to you. Number three, are you ready? Don't worry about being selfish or greedy. I say that because sometimes we approach God with the mindset that I can't ask for too much because I got to leave something for somebody else. I got to leave some meat on the bone for somebody else. But if you perceive your God as a limitless God, then you know what you receive has absolutely no effect on what someone else receives. I can be blessed and you can too. I can thrive and you can too. I can succeed and you can too. My church can grow and yours can too. My business can prosper and yours can too. That's why there's no need to be envious or jealous of one another because my blessing has no bearings on your blessing. There's no need for any of us to settle for less because we serve a limitless God. You can fill up your bucket, and I can too. You can fill up your bucket, and I can too. You can fill up your bucket, and I can too. Don't get mad at me if you didn't bring a big enough bucket. You can fill up your bucket, and I can too. So don't worry about asking for too much. There's no such thing as too much in the vocabulary of Jehovah Jireh, the God of more than enough. Number four, don't ask for what's already in reach. Don't ask for what you feel like you can do, what you feel like you can accomplish, what you feel like you can achieve. Ask for something beyond you, beyond your education, beyond your talent, beyond your gifts, beyond your know-how, beyond your experience, beyond your money, beyond your strength, beyond your funds, beyond your resources. How is God going to be glorified if we ask Him for what's already in reach? reach. You got to ask for something that is beyond you. Ask for something beyond you. Number five, don't ask the God who does the impossible for the most probable outcome. Don't ask the God who does the impossible for the most probable 
outcome. Lord, help me survive the day. Well, there's only going to be one day in your life you won't survive. I'm not saying don't say that prayer. I'm saying don't only say that prayer. you got to bring something more suitable for the God that you serve. He routinely does the impossible. So don't ask him for the most probable outcome. Don't ask him for what the statistics support. Don't ask him for what the odds are in favor of. Don't ask him for what you see coming in the distance. Ask God for something that seems afar off. Ask God for something that seems a million miles away. Ask God for something that you wonder if it'll ever happen, if it'll ever be. So using everything I've said in this sermon and those five guidelines that I've gave you, I want you to quickly write down three things you want your limitless Lord to do. You don't have to be as specific as you will be later. Just write down three things quickly that you want your limitless Lord to do. I'm going to wait. I'm going to give you a minute. Write down three things. Three things you want your limitless Lord to do. If you got your list, comment on the video. Tell them, I got this list. I got the list. Hold it up in the air. You got your list? When you get your list, hold it up in the air. If you got your list, hold it up. As a sign of faith, hold it up. If you got your list, hold it up in the air. If you at home, do this. Hold your list up in the air. Now I want you to look at it. I want you to read it. I want you to focus on it. And I want you to get this in your spirit. If you can. If you can position yourself, if you can bring yourself into alignment, if you can remain, if you can be committed, if you can have the right perception, if you can get to know the God that you claim to serve, if you can be specific, if you can be detailed, if you can stretch your faith, if you can have confidence, if you can have courage, if you can overcome your fear, if you can overcome your hesitation, if you can believe all things. Nothing's off the table. Nothing's out of the question. Nothing's too far. Nothing's too much. All things are possible to him that believes all things. I believe that in this season, God is calling upon us to reevaluate our belief of what can happen, what's possible. He's calling us to reevaluate our belief of what is in the realm of reason. All things are possible to him that believes. And I know what some of you are thinking. I don't know if I can believe. I've been disappointed so many times. I don't know. Johnny, I don't know if I can believe. I, I felt the sting of being let down when I believed before, when I was sure that it was going to happen. I don't know if I can, I can believe again. It's been so long. So much time has passed. I don't know if I can believe again. I've had so many miscarriages. I'm not, I'm not sure that I can believe again. I've been to so many different banks trying to get somebody to help me. I, I don't know if I can believe again. There's been so many hurtful words said in my marriage. I'm not sure if I can believe again. My baby is in such bad shape that I'm not sure that I can believe again. Somebody out there watching this, that's how you feel. I'm not sure that I can. You're just being honest. You're just being open. You're just being vulnerable. I'm not sure that I can believe. Well, here's the good news. We're going to call upon the Lord, and he's going to enable you to do what is your part to do. We're going to call upon the name of the Lord in just a moment, and he's going to enable you to believe so that you can receive what he's about to release. Not only is he going to do his part, but he's going to make sure that you're able to do yours.
Thank you for listening to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's message. For more great messages, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music and leave us a rating and review while you're there. For more information, please visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash redemptionky.